help to face what life has brought us. And this morning, if you have your Bibles, we invite you to turn to Psalm 121. And I want to ask you the question this morning, or a few questions. First of all, do you need the Lord's help today? Do you need help as a parent, as a husband or a wife? Are you struggling at work? Are you struggling in your family? Are you struggling at school? Are you carrying a huge load of responsibility? You wonder maybe how on earth you're ever going to make it through. Well, I want to encourage you this morning that you're not facing this life alone. Or at least you don't have to face this life alone. How is it that so often we try to tackle this life on our own? Well, the writer of the Psalms gives us probably one of the, one of the most encouraging Psalms. And maybe some of you have memorized this. You've, I know that probably everyone here has, has heard it at some point in time. But um, I'd like to read it for you this morning, and if you just follow along in the slide or, or in your Bibles. And in the writer of the psalm says this, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. This is a declaration of faith. This is a declaration of Christian habits. You say, well, hold on a minute, Pastor. This was written in, this is the Old Testament. How can you call it Christian? Well, we, we recognize, theologically speaking, that that which was written in the Old Testament is, in fact, Old Testament Christianity. The Old Testament is a shadow of the things to come. We recognize that in the Old Testament we see a shadow of, of Christ. And so we absolutely can look at this passage of Scripture and apply it to our own lives. We absolutely can look at this passage of Scripture and say, this is for me. And so the question this morning is this, is how do I, how do I get the help that I need? Anybody here need help today? Help from God? Anybody here today need strength from God? Anybody here need help through the troubles that you may be going through? I don't know about you, but... I sure need God's help. So the question is, is what must I do? What must I do to experience and know God's help? Well, there's two habits that you and I need to adopt in order to experience and know the help of God in our lives. And the very first habit is this, is to get into the habit of looking to God for help. Most of us by nature don't do that. Our first inclination when we've got a problem financially is go to the banker, go to the financial advisor, go to friends, go to family. The minute we got problems, go to the pastor, maybe go to our parents. They'll help to sort us out, right? The, the thing is this, is that people will always let you down. 
People will always fail. But the Bible's clear that Jesus never fails. And so I hear people say, you know, I went to that church, but that church let me down. Well, you know what? If you get your eyes on people, I can guarantee you that they're going to let you down. If you get your eyes on your parents or on your friends, your whoever, on your pastor, we're going to let you down because we're not God. And so the writer of the Psalms understands truly where his help comes from. I will lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord. And so here's the thing. Most of us are not in the habit when we're in times of difficulty or in struggle. Many of us are not in the habit when we're, when we're going through problems. We're not in the habit of falling to our knees and saying, God, help. And yet this is the habit. This is the first of our, these two habits that get us the help that we need to make it through whatever it is that we're going through. Some look to horoscopes and mediums to find the help, the direction that they need. Remember my grandmother taking me to a little coffee shop, a little cafe right across the street from, um, right across the street from Eaton's. I don't know if anybody remembers that little coffee shop, but in the window they had a little sign that says, uh, get your tea cups, your tea, tea leaves right here. Anybody remember that? Don, you remember that? You're nodding. You remember that? And so I thought, what on earth is that all about? And, um, uh, my grandmother, not my Christian one, the other one, who didn't know the Lord at that time, she took me in and uh, we decided, she decided that we were going to get our tea leaves red. And uh, the, I, I was too young really to understand what was going on or to know or to even pay attention to what was happening. I'm so glad. But some people are so desperate for help and for leading and for guiding that they'll even go to a teacup reader. And that's what the first king of Israel did, King Saul. He was in terrible, terrible condition, terrible problems. He was not in the habit of running to God in, in his time of need. His habit was to try to solve the problem himself. You know what he was thinking? He was thinking, man, if I, if I get on my knees and humble myself before the people, they'll think I'm a weak leader. They'll think I'm a, a, a weak king. So I can't allow myself to look weak in the eyes of my people. I must be brave. I must be strong. I must solve these problems on my own. Now, you might be like that today. You might be one of those people that say, you know, I can't let anybody see me weak. I can't let anybody see me cry. I can't let anybody see me in need. i got to maintain the facade. i got to look strong. I want to tell you, Mom and Dad, the best thing you can do for your kids is to let them see how much you need God's help. It will set for them an example that they will follow. Let your kids see how much you depend on God. Let them see you in the habit of looking to God for help in your hour of need. Remember what the Bible says. God gives grace to the humble, but God opposes the proud. And this morning, if you want to know God's help in your life, then you need to get in the habit of humbling yourself before God and crying out to him for the help that you need. And so here's this first king of Israel. Rather than turning to God for help, we find him almost at the very end of his life, turning to the witch of Endor, who is a medium, looking for some kind of guidance. The second king of Israel, however, King David, who may very well have been the author of this psalm, we see him quite differently. We see him as a humble king, 
who learned what it was to call on God in his hour of need. Have you learned that yet? This is a habit, a habit of crying out to God, looking to God for the help that you need. And so the second king, King David, we see him in the habit of saying, God, I need your help. Later on this morning, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come forward for prayer to come and get the help that you need from God. I'm going to pray for you. I want us to start this new new year off right, looking to God for the help that we need. And so the first habit, look to God. The second habit is found right here. And it's a, it's a, it's a declaration of your faith in God. Look what it says. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Did you see that? This declaration says... My help comes from God. It doesn't come from my banker. It doesn't come from my parents, my, my friends, even my pastor. My help comes from the Lord. And look what, look what David, look what David, look, look what David describes his Lord. He describes him as the maker of heaven and earth. Now let me ask you this question this morning. You ready for this question? Here's a little pop quiz for you. If God could make the heavens and this earth Do you think that just maybe he could handle your problems? Do you think he could handle your struggles? Do you think that he could bring you through the problems that you're facing in your life right now? I say yes. I wouldn't be the one, I wouldn't want to be the one that had to be in control of the heavens and the earth. And David wisely understood that the one who made heaven, the one who made this earth, is also the one that would help him and could help him in whatever it was that he was facing. And so here's the thing. You need to let faith arise in your heart by declaring, the Lord is my help. The Lord is my help. The maker of heaven and earth, he is my help. Now, I want to I want to let you in on a little secret. Maybe you know this one already. I think you probably do. Did you know that there is someone called Satan? And Jesus calls him what? The father of lies. And so here's what Satan's going to do with you. And this is why it's so important for you to make this faith declaration. The Lord is my help. Say that with me, would you? The Lord is my help. Say it one more time. The Lord is my help. Satan's going to come along and say to you, Oh, Alan. He won't call you Alan. He calls me that. Alan, God doesn't really care about you. Has anybody heard that voice? Has anybody heard that? Doesn't really care about you. Doesn't really care about your problem. Doesn't really care about your struggle. Oh, buck up. Pull up your bootstraps and and solve the problem yourself. That's that's what Satan wants to do. He wants to discourage you. He wants you to look at he wants you to take your eyes off of Jesus. That's what he wants. Satan will come along and say, "You know, you don't deserve help." You don't, you don't, des- look, look at you, look at the things that you've done. Look at your past. You don't deserve any kind of help. You've messed up so badly. There's no way on earth you deserve. You're so unwise. You're so stupid. You don't really believe that God's going to come and help you now that you've messed up so bad. He's going to come along and tell you to give up. He's going to tell you, you know, you wouldn't be in this mess if you wouldn't be having these problems if you wouldn't be facing these struggles if. And so you think to yourself, well, there's no point calling on God. I deserve the problems. I deserve the heartache. I deserve the pain. I deserve what I'm going through right now. So I may as well just live with it. 
My friends, I want you to know something today. Your God is your father. Jesus reveals God as a father. And I can tell you, I'm an earthly father, no, nowhere near as good as my father in heaven. And I can tell you that there's no problem, no difficulty, no struggle that my kids go through that I don't care about. Hello? There's nothing that my kids could, could go through where I would say, you know, I really don't care about that. I'm not helping you today, Nicholas. You wouldn't be in this mess if you didn't... I'm not going to help you today. You don't, you, you don't deserve my help. You, you deserve to suffer. What father would do that? Maybe you've had an earthly father like that, and you think that God's the same. I want you to know something, my friends. You are so mistaken. You have a loving father in heaven that cares about you and what you're going through and what you're facing this very moment. I want you to note something here in this verse, verse 2. What's that second word? What does it say? Say the second word. Does anybody know how to count? The second word there, the second verse. Help! Say it again. Oh, I sure hope you're not drowning as you say that. Help! 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 What do you say when you're drowning? No, that's not bad. You might be rescued. When you're in trouble, man, you're going to say, Thank you. Thank you. I need someone from Alberta to get us straight down here. Thank you very much. If you need help, then you are a human being. Let me say it again. If you need help, then you're a human being. If you don't need help, then you're probably God. And if there's anybody here that does not need help, well, come and get the mic and take over. (laughs) But I'm just like you. I need God's help. We are, by nature, people who need God's help. And if we didn't need God's help, then we wouldn't need God. But today, my friends, you and I are creatures that need the help of God. And this is why, listen to this, this is why Jeremiah, that great prophet to the people of Israel, this is why Jeremiah, after all of Israel was evicted from the land of Israel, and taken into exile. This is why he could, he could utter these words found in Lamentations 3, 21 to 23. And by the way, if you have your Bibles and you have a pen, would you circle these verses? Like, go circle them like seven or eight times because this is really, really important. You need to know this. You need to have this passage to return to encourage you, to encourage you many times. Jeremiah makes a declaration on behalf of all of rebellious Israel. And here's the declaration that you and I need to make a habit of declaring. He says this, Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Jeremiah says, in the midst of his great lamenting of the problems and the struggles and the heartaches and the pain, he says, Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Here goes. This is this, ready? Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed we maybe deserve to be consumed. We maybe deserve to die because of our sin. We may deserve to suffer because of the things that we've done. But listen to this. Because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed. And then this beautiful statement, and you've, you've sung these words. 
For his compassions never fail. How many know today that Jesus never fails? How many know today God's compassion, his love never fails? Even when you are not the most lovable kid around. My kids are, are little angels now, but they weren't always. And I, I don't know if they always will be little angels. But I can tell you this. There's nothing, listen, there is nothing that they could do to cause me to stop loving them. There's nothing that my children could do to cause me to hate them. I will love my children no matter what. Now, if I am an earthly father, know how to love my kids, how much more would your Father in heaven love you? His compassions never fail. His love never fails. And I love this. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Wow. When you wake up in the morning, it's a, it's a fresh slate. His compassions are new every morning. And he's faithful to help you through no matter what. So here's your habits. You, first of all, you need to look to God for help. Get in the habit of humbling yourself before God and saying, God, help. I need your help. And by the way, don't wait till you're like up to here. <laughs> get in the habit of asking him right off the, right off the, the minute you get your feet, your sorry body out of your bed, say, God, help. I look in the mirror and that's the first thing that comes to my mind. <laughs> God, help. <laughs> get in the habit. God, help. And then make your declaration. Of faith. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So that's what you and I must do. Now here's what he does. I love this. First of all, it says in Psalm 121, verse 3b, He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Alan will neither slumber nor sleep. Did you see that? He who watches over Alan will not slumber nor sleep. Hmm. You see verse 4 there? You see where it says Israel? We did this last week and we really confused everybody. I'm going to do it again because I love confusing people. You see where it says Israel? Would you substitute your name there? Would you put your name in that place? And let's, uh, let's read that again. From he who watches over you. Okay, ready? Where is it? Uh, verse 3, you see it? He who watches. Ready? Are you ready for this? Can everybody read? Uh, here we go. He will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over... (laughs) Say your name. He who watches over will neither slumber nor sleep. We can just stop there for a moment. I want you to understand and recognize today how very personal the Scripture is. It speaks to you. Now, you say, Pastor, are we allowed to do this? (laughs) Are we allowed to substitute our name in there? Absolutely. Israel is Israel represents God's people. And if you put your faith in Christ today, then you are God's people. And you can put your name in there. And so here's the thing. The one who watches over Israel also watches over you. He's always on duty. He's completely dependable. And he will not fall asleep at the wheel. In the army, I'm told that a man who is on night patrol... Maybe shot if he's found sleeping while on guard duty. He said, well, that seems like extreme punishment. 
But here's the thing. This extreme punishment is due to the fact that the lives and the safety of his whole platoon are in his hands. And to, to sleep on duty is to expose the whole platoon to danger, maybe even death. And you cannot afford to have somebody sleeping while on guard duty. The idea is that we put people on guard duty to protect us so that we can sleep how? Sleep soundly, without fear, without worry. Well, my friends, I wanted to tell you something today. (laughs) You have a God in heaven who neither slumbers nor sleeps, who keeps watch over you. And this means, my friends, you don't have to stay awake at night chewing your fingernails off trying to figure out how you're going to solve all your problems. How many people do that? I, used, I did that. T- I, was a, I was notorious for doing that while we were building this building. How am I going to pay those bills? How am I going to have enough to buy those doors? $1,000 for each door. That's what they cost. I remember that very clearly. $40,000 for that ductwork. Another 40000 for the units on the roof. I was always in 40,000 increments. I don't know why. The windows are across the front and the, and the, and the doors. Another $40,000. How are we going to pay for this? We don't have any money. We're just a, a handful of people. Barry and Carolyn, you remember that very well. How are we going to do this? And I'm laying awake at night on duty. <laughs> on du- I'm on duty. I mean, just, I may as well have my gun and just walking back and forth in the bedroom, worrying about how we're going to take care of this stuff. And I want you to know today, my friends, I didn't have to drain my bank account to pay for any of this stuff. God moved in and met the need. And he's going to do the same for you. Because he neither slumbers nor sleeps. You don't have to lose sleep. Because God is doing that for you. He's taking care of everything. And while you sleep snugly in your bed, just realize that there's a God in heaven who's got everything under control. He's going to solve every problem. Every need will be met. And that's what I discovered while building this building. Some of you have heard how I unplugged that toilet and got a check for $25,000. <laughs> yeah, some elderly lady needed her toilet unplugged and said, Pastor Alan, can you come and unplug my toilet? And I said, I could have said I don't have time for that. I'm a pastor. I don't want dirt under my fingernails or anything else under my fingernails. But I went and did what needed to be done, and she wrote that check. And money came in in the most amazing ways. I didn't have to stay awake at night worrying. I could leave it in God's hands. And so can you. That's what God will do if you practice those two habits. Look to the Lord and make your declaration of faith. My help comes from the Lord. He will not sleep. My grandmother had a beautiful Seven acres on River Road. Seven acres, my friends. What would that be worth today in St. Andrews? Beautiful home. It was a Scott house. If you've ever driven down River Road, you may have seen the, the Cairns, and on it it says Scott. That, that house belonged to my grandmother. And I used to go there in the summer months. We used to run in the fields and play and, and uh, get attacked by birds and that sort of thing. It was a wonderful place to visit. And then one day she said, I'm selling. And I cried. Why do you have to do it, Grandma? Why do you have to do it? She says, I can't take it anymore. It's, it's killing me. 
can understand. How could this place be killing you? It's beautiful out here. There's a beautiful river running out, moon shining on the river, sunshine, a hammock. It's beautiful, wonderful place to be in the summer. Gotta go, it's killing me. And as I got older, I began to realize and understand. Grandma used to have a, a wood burn, a wood burning stove. That's how she used to heat the house. And when we were there, she would be up every hour to check on that stove to make sure the house wasn't burning down. Every hour she was up, and, and, and it was literally killing her. She couldn't take it. She couldn't take the pressure and the stress of wondering if she was going to work, wake up or not wake up. The house burnt down around her. Well, my friends, listen to me. You may be like my grandma, unable to sleep at nights, worried and uptight and chewing your nails off and wondering how you're going to make ends meet and how, what's going to happen with the kids, what's going to happen with the wife, what's going to happen with my job, what's going to happen with the finance, what's going to happen with my mother, my, what's going to happen. You don't have to do that. Look to the Lord and declare your help comes from the Lord and let the Lord take care of your needs. Look what it says there in verse 3. He will not let your foot slip. I love that. He will not let you. He's going to keep you steady. That's what the Lord will do. He will not sleep and he will keep you steady. When I think of this passage of Scripture, I think of Peter. Remember Peter and the disciples are out in the boat on the Sea of Galilee, and all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, Jesus comes walking along. Well, that's not something you see every day, is it? Jesus comes walking along, and, and the disciples, the Bible says, are terrified. And finally, Jesus says, calm down. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. Relax. It's me. And Peter says, well, if it's really you, then let, bid me come. Allow me to come and, and, and join you on the water. And Jesus said, why not? Good idea. Come on, Peter. Now, most of us laugh at Peter and we call him names. We call him impetuous. We call him stubborn. We call him all kinds of names. Like he's as though he was dumb or something. But can I remind you that Peter did, in fact, step out into the water and he did walk on water? And Peter is the only one that ever walked on water other than Jesus? And Peter, as he got on that, got, put his foot outside the boat and began to walk on the water, suddenly he looked down and he realized... I must be out of my mind. I'm walking on water. And he got, he, he grew afraid. And the Bible says he began to sink. And now he is terrified that he's going to drown. He is terrified that he's going to lose his life. Now let me ask you this question this morning. Maybe that's you today. You're terrified of what you're going through right now. You're terrified about your situation. You're terrified thinking that, that it's hopeless. Well, look what Peter did. Jesus reached out to Peter as he's going down, as he's sinking. And Peter reaches up and gets his, look at, gets his eyes back on Jesus. And as soon as he gets his eyes back on Jesus, he's lifted up above the stormy waves. Now let the Spirit of God speak to your heart this morning. Because some of us here today, feel as though we are literally drowning, as though things are just falling apart. We're not going to make it. You need to get your eyes back on Jesus. And I can assure you, the Bible, my Bible tells me, he will not let your foot slip. You will not stumble. You will not fall as long as you keep your eyes on Jesus. Maybe you come here this morning, you're really feeling heavy-hearted and you're struggling. I told you earlier, we're going to have a, give you an opportunity to come here and pray. I'd like to pray for you. I'm going to anoint you with oil. 
We're going to look to God for help, and we're going to just see God just do wonderful things. But I want to tell you one more thing before, before we end this morning. It says here in verse 5 that the Lord watches over you. Now, in these eight verses, it says five times, watch over, watch over, watch over, watch over. And one more, watch over. Do you think that God's trying to get a message through to you? Do you think he's trying to get a message through to me? If in eight verses he keeps telling you, I'm watching over you, I'm going to watch 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 over you. You're going to hear those words ringing in your head as you leave here today. I know it. Do you think that God's trying to get a message across to you and me? God's not going to just let you go on your own all by yourself without his presence. We don't know for sure that David wrote this, this psalm, but if he did, David knew that the Lord was, in fact, watching over him. Think of young David picking up his sling and his five stones and going to face the giant, who would have been at least double and maybe as much as triple his height. Massive, huge man. And there's David walking towards this giant thinking, if I don't kill him, he's going to kill me. You know the story of David and Goliath. Now, don't you know at that moment that David went with a firm conviction that God was watching over him? I want you to know today, God is watching over you. Whatever you have to do, wherever you are going, whatever you're facing, God is watching over you. And parents, let me say this, God's watching over your kids. I was thinking about my life and I really realized how much God has watched over me over the years. I was thinking about the time I was playing badminton in the front yard with a friend of mine. And I hit the, the badminton uh, birdie into the rain trough, the eaves trough. Now, we lived in, on, on Coburg Avenue, in a great big two-story house, and it was high up off the ground. It's sure 20 feet off the ground. And I thought, well, I better get that birdie down or I'm going to get in trouble. That little birdie's worth only, what, a nickel? And I climbed, somehow I climbed up the back, I got a ladder, got in the porch, got up, got up, got up, got up, right to the top. Now, if you're standing at the peak of the house, that's more like probably 30 feet. It's, it's very high off the ground. And I got myself onto the roof, which is very steep like this. And I inched my way down and then leaned over. Is your, is your stomach turning? Mine. <laughs> and I reached over and I got the birdie. If I'd fallen, it would have been sure death. But the Lord was watching over me. I think of the time I, when I was 13 years old, one of my friends said, we should try swimming across the Red River. And I said, my mom says there's bad currents that could kill us. My friend said, nah. I said, okay. <laughs> and we swam right by the, you know the Disraeli Bridge? Terrible current. There is really bad. But I swam across and back. And stunk something terrible. But I was safe. <laughs> the Lord was watching over me. I think about the time at Red Rock Youth Camp. Just before lunch, I thought, I should go for a swim across the lake. And I swam across that lake and back again. And you're 
you're not supposed to do that unless you've got somebody accompanying you with a, in a rowboat or a canoe. And I think, oh, my, oh, my. I think about the time I was a youth pastor, 20, 22. And I, um, I decided all the youth group, I don't know what it is with me swimming across things, but I thought, decided all the youth need to swim across the lake at, in Morden. Anybody know where that lake is in Morden? And we got them all in the water and we all swam across. And some said, I don't, I can't swim very well. I said, that's no problem. Here's a log that you can hang on to. I, every time I think of that, I cringe. And I say, God, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I think of driving in Greece where lines on the road don't mean anything. Four lanes of traffic can quickly become five and six. <laughs> I remember driving on our way out to the city of Philippi. You Philippi in the Bible, Philippians, Philippi. We're driving out to the ruins. And some guy decides he's going to drive right down the center because he's in a hurry. Too many cars, so what are you going to do? Drive right down the middle, right on the double lines. And there's this car coming at me, and I'm thinking, this is it. It's over. But the Lord was watching over us. I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm so glad the Lord doesn't say, I don't help stupid people. <laughs> Aren't you glad, Jerry? Aren't you glad that God didn't say, I don't help stupid. I don't, I don't help unwise people. I don't help, help weak people. I don't help failures. I only help people who are wise and who have it all to. No. God helps us because he loves us he's our father and yes even when we're stupid and make wise unwise decisions he's still there watching over you 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 and i need to get in the habit of saying god help me because my help comes from you alone i want to show you this quick little video clip that beautifully demonstrates how we are at the mercy of god and how much God loves us. And then I'm going to invite you to come forward for prayer this morning for anointing with oil. Go ahead, Scotty.